2: The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
3: Dominating performance for Martin Truex Jr. off four, final time, checkered flag is out and for the second time in his career he has scored the win at the Darlington Raceway picking up the checkered flag in the Goodyear 400. Truex has done it for the third time already in 2021
2: nascar live is brought to you by Wheelin engineering a global leader in the emergency warning industry trusted to perform since 1952 by xfinity x5 internet that's more than just fast xfinity proud premier partner of nascar and by blue emu maximum pain relief the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network blue emu is family owned and manufactured here in america it works fast and you won't stink From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
4: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN team here with you for our weekly get-together. And over the course of the next 60 minutes, we've got lots coming your way, including a conversation with the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Winston Kelly. He's going to sit down with Jeff Burton, longtime NASCAR racer right now on NASCAR on NBC and a chat with Jeff about his family and other things. Look forward to that, including the legacy that the Burtons have created, along with the one that's still being written and being created with his son, Harrison, who races full time in the NASCAR Xfinity series. Plus, we're going to dive into the details about the next gen race car announcement that came last week. And uh, folks are still processing what that next-gen race car is going to give us in 2022. There's a lot of work to be done with that car as far as implementation and testing before it rolls out in the 2022 Daytona 500. Three of NASCAR's biggest names are struggling right now. We're going to look at how their 2021 season is shaping up. Plus, Justin Allgaier is going to join us after his win Saturday at Darlington Raceway. But first, to get us started, as he does each and every week, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest in headlines across NASCAR Nation. Kyle? Mike, the NASCAR Cup Series hits the
3: halfway point of the 26-race regular season this weekend at Dover International Speedway in Delaware. And in the first 12 races, only Martin Truex Jr. has won more than once, claiming three checkered flags, including last Sunday's Goodyear 400 in Darlington. Kyle Larson finished second on Sunday, and believes his Hendrick Motorsports team has been right on pace with Truex over these first three months.
5: I think we're top three. Uh, we're one of the top three teams out there, so I'm happy with that. We, we've been really good to start the year and uh, meshing very well as the teams, and I think we're just gonna continue to grow. Our pit
6: crew's been doing an awesome job.
3: Larson has one win on the season coming back in March in Las Vegas. The NASCAR Xfinity Series heads to Dover this weekend as well for Saturday's Driving 200. Justin Allgaier won last weekend in Darlington and calls the Xfinity Series season unpredictable with so many different winners,
5: including four first timers. There's so many unknowns, you know, each and every week we go to the racetrack, you know, if you hit it right, you know, there's 12 guys that could go and battle for a win every week. You know, some weeks obviously some cars miss it, have trouble, have a bad pit stop here or there, whatever. But you know, there's a there's a solid 12 guys that that you're questioning, okay, who's gonna be the guy today, who's gonna be able to win it.
3: And in some off-track news, all teammate Noah Gregson crossed the line fourth on Saturday in Darlington, but failed post-race tech and was disqualified. His junior motorsports team announced early this week that they plan to appeal the penalty which also includes stripping Grayson in of the $100,000 Xfinity Dash for Cash bonus money. Mike?
4: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Winston Kelly's conversation with Jeff Burton.
7: Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving.
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live with Darlington. This past weekend, being a throwback race, we wanted to spend some time with a throwback driver. We tapped our friend Winston Kelly, who's the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, as he sat down and chatted with Jeff Burton.
8: Well, I'm, you're too humble to go through this, and I won't bore everybody with all of the stats, but one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is your success there. The 16 top 10s the two wins, including a sweep in 1999, an eight race stretch. And this is just the cut side from 1997 to 2000, all top five finishes. Then you look at the Xfinity series, 25 starts, 16 top tens. But maybe what's most impressive to me, when I look at the last 15 times you ran there from 97 to uh, 2009, only one time outside of the top eight and 11 of those 15 were top five finishes including three wins so what was it about just taking all that that you just put in the blender to us that made it work so well for jeff burton
9: well so i I think some of it was mental i think i love the racetrack i love the history and to me and it's you know one of the biggest races of the year. To me, I put the Daytona 500 and the Southern 500. I mean, they're really close to me, um, and I know I'm in the minority in that. But that's just what it, that's what that racetrack means to me. Uh, some of it, some of the racing is emotional, and some of it's physical. And from a physical standpoint, um, I my one hundred percent was a little less than some other drivers' hundred percent. Meaning. My comfort level and how hard I drove my car, I think, suited that racetrack more so than maybe of Michigan. So, you know, when I'm giving 100% and going as hard as I think I can, can go, there were a few people that could go a little more and they could get a little more. Uh, but at that racetrack, it meshed with me and and all that stuff, uh, you know, made sense and it created results. And, and to be honest with you, Winston, I, I you know, when you... Talked about those stats. I'm proud. I'm really proud of those stats because, and it's one of the things that when I look back on my career, I'm the most proud of because I think it's the hardest racetrack out there. And if you go back and you look at the history of that race, how many fluke winners have there been? I mean, very, very few. And so, you know, to have success there just means a lot to me because I think it was a real test of mental preparedness, physical preparedness, uh, all those things, and and I, I just, it, it means a lot to me.
8: NASCAR has always been a family sport, back to 1947, 48, when it was begun with the France family and carrying through to whether it's the Petties, the Allisons, the Earnharts, the Jarrett's, we can go on and on. You and Ward have now passed on the torch to Harrison and Jeff. My first question to you is, How are you as a racing dad? We see wife Kim, mother Kim, on the pit box and and a bottle of nerves. How are you as a racing dad?
9: So I'm very much um, everything matters kind of guy, right? I just, I think that everything you do matters and and there's a consequence and there's a reward for everything that you do. And so when I watch a race and I watch it as a a guy that has raced, but also as a fan, also as a broadcaster... Uh, I have a very unique perspective right I have a I have family that's raced I have a son that's racing I have you know I've been a car owner I work in the media like I have this really weird perspective that's kind of unique and when I watch a race it's hard to leave all those perspectives right it really is and and I also know that Ward what we just talked about Ward drove a car different than I did so me telling Harrison or anyone else how to drive a car is not a smart thing to do the the best thing I can do as a dad at this point now that he's 20 years old is look at the 10,000 foot view right and so when I watch a race I look for the small things like what are the little things that he could have done better in that particular race and have that conversation two or three days later right you, you never talk to the traced car driver right after the race uh, because it's too many emotions but two or three days later, hey man, could you have thought about this? Could you have thought about that? But not, you need to be in the gas here, on the brake there, you need to be here on the track, none of that, we don't do that at all. It's just more, you know, little things that could have made a difference, because in this sport, and you know it as well as anybody, better than most, is that a collection of the little things makes success. And we focus on the big things, but the truth of the matter is, the big things happen well because you did all these little things right. And so that's how I watch a race. Even when I'm broadcasting, that's how I watch a race. I'm always looking for the little thing that could make a difference in someone winning a race, losing a race, running sixth versus seventh, or vice versa. That's how I watch races. I, I just I haven't I just can't watch it any other way.
8: Several years ago, I asked Bill Elliott what he saw in Chase as a young driver. And this was when Chase was still in the Xfinity series. So take your dad hat off, when you were watching Harrison come up, what is it that you saw as a racer that said, I think this kid can do it? Because a lot of dads want to discourage their kid because they don't want to see him not succeed. And Bill saw some things special in Chase. What did you see and when was it that you said, this kid can do it at the top levels of NASCAR?
9: Well, Winston, in my family, I, you know, I feel like when you had failure, that's just a learning opportunity. You know what I mean? I, so we, we, I've encouraged my children not to be afraid to try. Number one, uh, is in regard to watching Harrison. The first thing is, we did exactly what you just said. Like I, I, and Kim, we did not want Harrison racing or my daughter Paige racing because that's what I did. Right? It doesn't have to be a family tradition it doesn't have to be that I want my kids to do what they want to do in life whatever that is I want them to be able to make a living and take care of themselves and but but I want them to be happy doing it and so what what is that and 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 with Harrison when he was very young you know we we dissuaded him you know like do something else let's go do something else and he kept pushing 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 and so then okay let's go do it Number 1, you know, we didn't go into looking at it, well, he could make a career doing it or anything like that. It was just for fun. And if he showed talent, then maybe we would take the next step. And and then if he shows talent and desire and work ethic, maybe we could take the next step. And so just all along the way, all those things kept building, right? And you you have to want it. Like you can't it's not enough. It's not enough to say I want to win races. Well, no kidding. Like, we all watch the guy in Victory Lane that's celebrating. What about the 39 others? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do what the guy that finished 20th the way he felt and what he has to do to get better so he can get in Victory Lane? If you're not willing to do that, if you only look at what happened and the guy that was in Victory Lane, his emotions, you can't. That's the last thing you have to look at. You have to look at, are you willing to get your teeth kicked in while you're learning. And even when you're really, really good in Jeff Gordon's best year and Bill Elliott's best year, they lost more races than they won. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to emotionally invest and know that you're going to get beaten more than you win? If you are willing to do that, if you're willing to work your guts out, if you have the talent, then you should proceed and that's how that's what i've seen in harrison is that he's you talked about david pearson and i'm not i hate comparing anybody to anybody but when you watch david pearson race he's really really smart my son's strength is he's a really smart racer like he races with his head you know how many incidents do you think of that him being in it's very limited he races with his head and he he's calculative and he he, he studies and watches He's not just the bull in the china shop, knock everything out of the way. So I think long-term, the people that I've seen that have success are the people that think, even Dale Earnhardt. I know that everybody thinks Dale Earnhardt spun somebody out every race, every lap. No, like he was one of the smartest drivers out there. He had moments, and certainly more than most, where he was in the middle of stuff, but the majority of races he won, by far the majority of races he won, he made his car faster, and he was smarter. It wasn't that he knocked somebody out of the way to win a race. And so, you have to really be understand what it takes to win races. And most races, they're a wall the same way. Most races are won here. They're not won with your feet, your feet, and your hands. They're won. They're won
4: by thinking. We've got a lot more with Jeff Burton coming up. Plus later, we'll talk next gen race cars.
0: This is NASCAR Live.
4: Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Let's dive right back into more of our conversation that Winston Kelly had with Jeff Burton.
8: You referenced how you watch races as an analyst. I want to touch on that a little bit. As you made this transition, is it what you thought? And and are there parts that are harder or easier or different than you anticipated going in? To this role? Yeah,
9: Winston, so so um, you know, it is it is different in some regards than I thought, but it's everything that I've wanted it to be. Meaning when 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 Steve Latart and I, Steve Latart, Rick and I were all three, and we all got hired to do this, you know one of the, one of the things that Steve and I wanted to do in the worst way was to explain more about the why. You know, why are these drivers doing this? Why are the pit crews doing this? And also, we felt like we had lived a life that fans didn't get to live. We wanted to open up more about what's really going on, right? And really paint the picture about the inside story of the race. Like, and it might not be for the league, right? There's this battle in ninth and this particular thing happened. And that's really important because of what? And so NBC has let us do that. And and to me, that's the most fun part of the job. And I'm not trying to, you know, fans, we have the, our fans are incredible. But unless you live the life, it's hard to know all the ins and outs of it, right? And so we also have that casual fan that doesn't understand what, does the free pass mean what they said he got the free pass what does that mean right it's our job to explain that and so I really like that part of the job an opportunity to share our knowledge with the fans not talk down to anybody because there's some fans out there that know everything but not talk down to anybody but explain things and and I think that we your role in my opinion in radio is different you guys have to paint a picture right we don't have to tell you what you're watching. <laughs> like, you can see it. Like, right? It's silly for us to say, "Well, there he is trying to pass him." No kidding. Like, you see that, right? Why did he do something when he got a car length behind? Why did he do something so that he could pass? Right? That's the things that I enjoy, and 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 I I think it's you know we we always need to be better, but one of our strengths I think is that is explaining things that are going on. And, and, and putting fans in the seat of the, of the driver or in the seat of the crew chief or in the seat of the right front tire changer or in the seat of NASCAR as they make a decision. That's, that's one of the most enjoyable things uh, that we do.
8: Well, in, in validation from my perspective as a broadcaster, there's always been these couple of two or three go-to guys, whether it's a crew chief or a driver, whatever, and you are always one of those guys as a driver stevie was always one of those guys as a crew chief that tell us in in layman's terms something that we don't know as a broadcaster or so we can articulate it to the fans so i think that's why you know your pairing has been so good it's you were always one of those guys tell us so we can articulate it because most of us have never driven a car or turned a wrench and then
9: then, yeah and then when, when we and i appreciate that i mean that that you know, I I always like working with the media. Like I've always always viewed you guys, TV, uh, print media as part of the team. Like we're all, you know, it's without without the media, the fans don't know what's going on, right? The media is the voice of the drivers. It really is. That's how the fans get that information. So, um, you know, and then Winston, when Junior came and and joined us, now we added this super high level of emotion right like junior loves loves the battle on the racetrack you know what i mean absolutely loves it he loves the history of the sport he loves the president of the sport so then we brought another perspective in and and he's only made it better i mean he's made it you know his emotion his passion has has risen has risen has risen what we do to another level in my opinion
8: Well, last thing, and this is going to get a little bit away from these that that I've never been able to ask you somewhere along the line, you got called the mayor of the garage. (laughs) Where where did that moniker come from? I mean, I think it's tied to uh, what we just talked about, being able to articulate things, how you process things on the track, cerebrally away from the track. Where did that come from? Do you know who first tagged you with that and, and where it came from?
9: Pretty sure it was Clint Boyer. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, we were we were they uh, we were at. I'm pretty sure it was California, and it was my whatever hundredth race, and we did a little media thing, and Clint came in there and, and uh, said some nice things about me because I paid him to do it, and uh, <laughs> so, and uh, he tagged me as you know he's the mayor or something like that, and it 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 stuck. But but uh, you know I've always i always felt. Um, extremely humbled and uh, that anyone would want to hear my opinion. And I feel that if someone wants to hear my opinion, it's my job to go get the information to give the best opinion and don't form an opinion until you have the information opinions based on emotion. Many times are wrong. (laughs) And, and so, you know, my, the way my brain works is that I like to analyze things. And and um, so, and then I like to talk about it. Like, I love you. I could sit here with you today and debate whatever you want to debate because I enjoy it because I'm going to learn something as I talk to you. And and uh, so anyway, some of it's just my personality. I like being in the middle of things. I don't like sitting on the sidelines. And I and I don't mind being wrong. You know what I mean? I don't mind somebody proving to me, you know what, you're wrong. And because uh, I learned from it.
4: Thank you, Winston. Thank you, Jeff, for giving us so much of your time. Coming up, we've got the details about the next-gen race car being launched next year. And later, we'll go into the struggles of Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick.
0: Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds?
4: What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel
2: your best. Whelan would like to congratulate Martin Truex Jr. and his number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Pit Crew for the win at Darlington Raceway. They are the Whelan Pit Crew of the Week. Truex credits his strong relationship with crew chief James Small for the team's success this season.
6: When he was our engineer, um, you know, we had a great relationship, and I think that's continued. Obviously, you know, more interact, you know, interacting, um, you know, since he went from engineer to crew chief, and Cole Cole decided to do something else. But, you know, I think last year, James did a great job. I mean, if you look at everything, we were right there a lot of races. We, uh, We had some tough luck. We had a lot of second, third place finishes, and you know, we didn't win as many as we should have, but, um, you know, I think our, I feel like he's done a really
0: great job since he stepped in.
2: in Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley.
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The next gen race car has been talked about a lot. And finally, we got the big reveal last week. Woody Kane is here to give us some of those details and what the drivers who have tested it think about it.
0: Now that NASCAR has unveiled manufacturer-specific versions of its new next-generation race car, attention turns toward what's next before the competition debut at Daytona in 2022. Described as an almost completely new race car mechanically by drivers, teams, and manufacturers, the appearance is important as well, says Defending Series champ Chase Elliott.
6: The visuals kind of speak for themselves. I mean, obviously, I think one of the key things that we as the industry were trying to achieve with this car is to have something that looks more like what an individual could go buy at their Chevrolet dealership at home, which is, to me, a piece that we got away from, you know, from the... COT and kind of that whole process.
0: Another feature is one center lug nut instead of five. NASCAR president Steve Phelps says that may seem like a bigger deal than it actually is. The choreography of the pit stop is going to look exactly the same, um, and so putting the one
10: you know lug until it's tight um, and, and locks is going to be the only difference as part of the as, as part of this. The choreography is exactly the same. The number of folks over the wall, jacking up the car, taking the lug off, taking the tire off, putting the new tire on. You know, hitting the lug, it's, it's exactly different just hitting it once instead of five times. So I don't think the fans are going to really notice a significant difference. I don't.
0: Safety advancements are a key component of next-gen as well. NASCAR Senior Vice President for Racing Innovation John Probst says analyzing more than 2,500 incidents since black boxes that record crash data were added to the sport almost 20 years ago has been critical. You know, in our end, we've actually as well simulated some of the some of the bigger incidents that we've had with the current
3: Gen 6 car on the next-gen car. I'd say that we're pretty happy with where we're at. I won't get into the specifics of where we're at. You know, we still have some testing yet to come, and, you know, we're, we're eight months out. Uh, well, we will be eight months out when we complete up all that testing from the debut. In 2022, we feel like we're in a good place.
0: Last week's unveiling was another step in the process. Ryan Blaney is the most recent driver to get behind the next-gen wheel. He tested last week at Texas Motor Speedway and says there's still much
6: to learn. You know, we were able to bring some of our guys out there to really kind of get their Hands dirty on how you, all right? How do you go about this change? How do you go about this change? It's just different than what we got now, and what they've been working on for years and years, right? So it's going to take, I think, everyone a little bit of time to efficiently work on these cars, you know, as fast as they can. Uh, but driving it, you know, I thought it uh, was was pretty pretty good, and can definitely feel the differences on, you know, it, it has a lot less side force than what we have now, um, and you can feel that kind of when it steps out you can't get it. There is just a certain kind of degree of y'all that there's kind of slip angle that you're like, oh, this would be a lot, this would be really comfortable in the car we got now, but this one, you know, it's, it's a little bit less comfortable. So, um, but it was just good to drive it, feel it, um, try new things on it. What changes worked, what didn't, what I could feel, what couldn't, what couldn't I feel. Um, I'll be really curious just to get around other cars. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is the car is going to drive the way it does. You know, by itself, it, it, it is what it is. But how it drives and is affected with other cars with dirty air all around it—that's that's the biggest thing.
0: So, how will next gen's success or lack thereof be measured? NASCAR's chief racing development officer, Steve O'Donnell. We're going to look at how many teams can be competitive. You know, the number of different leaders, uh, the number of different winners, uh, the OEMs, you know, are they all able to compete? And then longer term, you know, what is this doing for ownership? Uh, Not only for our existing owners, but potentially new owners. You know, this won't just be kind of a, a one or two to three-month you know, overview from us. We're going to look at it from the long term. Uh, this was a project that's taken a long time, and the reason is we want this to go out into the future and be a product that can not only race in 22, but well beyond that uh, for the fans. And ultimately, you know, the fans are going to judge us. And uh, if the fans like what they see, we'll continue to do more of that.
4: Thank you, Woody. That next-gen race car will be on track at the 2022 Daytona 500, and we're all curious to see what's going to happen with that car. Coming up, the struggles of Hamlin, Harvick, and Elliott, and later, Justin Allgaier will join us.
3: NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.
2: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
4: We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. It's shocking to everyone that Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott have not been into victory lane so far this season. All three of the heavy hitters from 2020 have struggled so far in 2021. Kurt Becker is here with more. The 2020
10: NASCAR Cup Series season will always be known for the impact that the Coronavirus pandemic had on the sport. But on the track, the season was dominated by Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick.
11: Shannon Bednarik puts the checkered flag in the air and Kevin Harvick wins the real heroes 400 at Darlington Raceway headed to the checkered flag and for the fifth
3: time this season, Denny Hamlin is a winner picking up the victory tonight
11: at the kansas speedway on the back bumper of harvick hamlin looks to the inside harvick blocks checkered flag in the air and kevin harvick wins the consumers energy 400 at michigan
10: hamlin and harvick combined to win 16 races in 2020 earning hamlin the spot in the championship four and harvick the regular season championship crown Things, though, haven't been as easy for the pair in 2021. Despite being the current Cup Series point leader, for example, Hamlin has yet to make his way to victory lane.
3: That 243 will be the lap that may decide it here this afternoon. Denny Hamlin, more than likely, looking at Kyle in the rearview mirror, drove that Toyota into the fence off of Turn number four, Alex Aiden, Hamlin he's in it again wall. trouble, turn one, right front tire,
0: is down. Denny Hamlin, this time... Robert it. Right front, right rear. Heavy damage on the FedEx Toyota.
10: Hamlin's 2021 season hasn't necessarily been a struggle. Hamlin has five stage wins this season and has dominated large portions of races, leading a total of 749 laps on the year. If anything, Hamlin's season can be characterized by his domination, although having nothing to show for it as far as wins are concerned thus far.
6: Frustration, for sure. I mean, um, but it doesn't change uh, you know, my attitude or work ethic. I mean, I'm, I'm going to work just as hard to win next week and the week after that. It just, you, know, you, you have you're a competitor, you want to win, um, especially when you have great opportunity to win. But, um, you know, it, it just didn't happen. You know, just uh, uh, digest it and look at it and, and see, you know, where we could have been a little bit better. But uh, ultimately, there's nothing I could do. My, my effort was as high as it could be. Uh, there's nothing, um, you know, that... It's glaring that I feel like I I could or should have done different, but you know, maybe there is. I, I'll, I'll go back and look at it and, and figure it out.
11: Dangly. Trouble Turn number one, Kevin Harvick slides up and pounds the safer barrier. Kevin Harvick with a big crash in turn number one, and we're under the caution flag for the fifth time today. While the frustration
10: of being so close yet falling short time and time again could sum up Denny Hamlin's season, that hasn't quite been the case for Kevin Harvick. Harvick, currently sitting seventh in the series point standings, has also failed to bring home a win so far in 2021. For the season Harvick has only led 39 laps and is yet to earn even as much as a stage victory. Despite the slow start, Harvick is going to lean on his 20 years of experience instead of panicking.
8: I mean, we we always want to win. Uh, You never know how the year is going to start. I think we've done a good job with uh, everything everything that we have uh, except for a couple weeks where we had some bad luck with uh, flat tires. But... You know, some some years start out good and you go like gangbusters and some years they don't start out good and and you have to figure it out. So that's just part of the game. I've been around this for a long time. And, um, you know, you just keep grinding away and and, you know, hopefully eventually you pick it up. And if, if you don't, you start over the next year.
10: Hamlin and Harvick aren't alone in their twenty twenty-one struggles. Twenty twenty Cup Series champion Chase Elliott has had his own issues in the early stages of the season. The Hendrick Motorsports driver has finished runner up twice at the Daytona five hundred and at Martinsville, but has as many finishes outside the top ten
6: as he has inside of it. Every week I feel like it's it's been, you know, one thing or another, or you know, a bad run or or just whatever. So just uh, you know, nice to have just a smooth day, no damage, no, You know, we didn't break anything. Everything was just smooth. You know, it was uneventful. And and that's the days you have to have to, to compete for wins. Ultimately, you know, some of that's in your hands,
10: some of it's not. So far, Martin Truex Jr. is the only repeat winner on the season, winning for a third time this year. Last weekend at Darlington, meaning that nine other drivers have presumably already locked up their spots in the playoffs, making winning even more of a priority.
6: Well, I mean, I definitely think winning is is a, a crucial part to the to the playoffs, and and you know, not it doesn't guarantee you, you know, as you go along, but um, it sure does hedge your bet. And, and having a successful playoff run if you have if you have wins in the bank. So I want to be on that side of the fence when when that rolls around
10: rather than the than the opposition. The focus now shifts to the Monster Mile at Dover International Speedway, where Hamlin and Harvick both earned victories last year. Maybe the familiar foe
4: will break one of the two out of their 2021 slump. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, no struggles for Justin Allgaier over the weekend at Darlington. He was able to drive into Gatorade. He was able to drive into victory lane at Darlington. Plus, later, we've got NASCAR history.
2: Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live.
11: Off turn number four, looking for the checkered flag. No caution in the air. Justin Allgaier comes down the front stretch, and Justin Allgaier wins the Steakhouse Elite 200 at Darlington. Justin Allgaier scores the win, and Josh Berry comes across the stripe second. Brandon Jones will be third. Noah Gregson fourth, and Daniel Hemrick rounds out the top five. Justin Allgaier scores the win at historic Darlington Raceway.
2: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Justin Allgaier won over the weekend at Darlington Raceway. Woody Kane caught up with him ahead of this week's race weekend at Dover International Speedway.
0: This past weekend, the good humor man delivered at Darlington and second win of the season. Justin, congratulations. Two of the last four races you've won.
5: Does it feel like momentum? (laughs) Ah. I think so. I think this is what momentum feels like. To be honest with you, you know, it, it just kind of has. It's felt good, you know, momentum or not, it's felt good. You know, to to knock off two racetracks that that for me arguably have have meant a lot. Have, have meant races that you know from from growing up at a little age all the way until now. You know, they're they're bucket list racetracks for me. The history and just the style of racing that. Uh, you know, this past weekend in Darlington and then in Atlanta a few weeks ago. You know, those are both both facilities that that I've I've wanted to win at so bad for a long time. So to, to check both of those uh, boxes off and to do it the way that we did it, you know, at, at Darlington, it wasn't a convincing win like Martin Truex Jr.'s. It was more of a being at the right place at the right time and, and knowing that you have the trust in your car and your team, uh, like we do at Junior Motorsports, that, we can battle it out there and and not only that to have to race against two teammates really right there at the end I mean it was uh, it was a little nerve-wracking but uh you know just a, a fun fun end of the race and obviously I'm excited because we brought home the checker flag but but really just as a whole our, our entire team did such a fantastic job
0: before we move on a little bit about Darlington I noticed a logo on your car that I wanted to ask you about food lion feeds because uh, I think People sometimes with the pandemic kind of taking over all the headlines, hunger is still an issue with or without the pandemic, right? Tell me about the program.
5: Yeah, so Food Line Feeds, basically they're donating for hours of service, right? So uh, for every one hour of service, I believe it's 285 meals that are donated to those in need. And you know, this pandemic isn't over by any means, but we're steadily getting back there. But I think when we're getting back to normal, we're all hoping that it gets there. But we need to think about those that that still are having those needs that that aren't met yet so this is a, a great way to do that.
0: Okay let's look ahead to Dover another dash for cash race coming up but I looked up uh, your stats there you won twice including one time last year and you finished seventh the last time we were there that was your worst in like four years you love the monster.
5: I do love the monster uh, the monster's been kind to me so I, I hope we can keep it that way you know it, it is such a fun racetrack and and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna give a big tip of the cap to our our team at junior Motorsports. obviously to run well, you have to have good equipment. And, you know, we've brought fast Camaros to the racetrack every time we've gone Um, last year there, you know, we obviously took the FFA car to victory lane. Um, We had a great day on Saturday, Sunday, we had some, some challenges, Um, you know, as a doubleheader last year, we had some challenges on Sunday that really uh, weren't indicative of how we raced all day. I mean, seventh was the finish, but we, we, we weren't a seventh place car by any stretch. So, you know, I definitely am, am looking forward to that. Uh, there's some stiff competition for this dash for cash. You know, obviously what Xfinity does for this series, but uh, you know, and the sport as a whole is, is truly, truly awesome. The dash for cash initiative has been so much fun for our teams and for the drivers, you know, this, this really invests back into the Xfinity series teams and helping to grow the the series and, and, and the teams that are in it. So, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to, to go there, try to win that, um, you know, I know Josh is going to be tough there. You know, he, he's, he's come out of the box strong at every race we've run at this year. You can't count him out anywhere, even though he's not got a lot of experience in these Xfinity series cars. He's a fantastic race car driver. and uh, I don't foresee that changing any when we get to, uh, to Dover. And then you got Brandon Jones and AJ Almanninger, two uh, obvious uh, picks for guys that are, are extremely talented and are going to, going to go there and, and have fast race cars. So we'll have our work cut out for us, but on the other stretch of that, Uh, I'm excited because I know that it is a really good track for us. And, you know, like you said, we won there last year, we've, we've had a lot of success there and it's just a matter of putting all of the the details together, making sure the eyes are dotted, the Ts are crossed, no mistakes, um, you know, making the right pick calls, you know, those are all things that are really difficult about this racetrack, you know, And, and it sounds pretty straightforward when you look at it on paper, but. Uh, when you get into these races, they, every one of them is different. They all have a different feel. They all have a different balance. And 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 I think for us, it's going to be important to uh, to see how that works out.
0: Well, Dover certainly is that way. Take me for a lap around that place, if you will, because if you look at the aerial pictures, it looks like a giant Bristol. It's concrete, of course, but a lot of drivers talk about that roller coaster feel when you're making laps there. What does it feel like to you?
5: Well, you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting to me about, about Dover is how far down the bottoms of the corners are versus, you know, where you're at on the straightaway. Uh, Somebody once told me it's two stories. I don't know if that's really true that you drop down two stories, but um, however far it is from the top of the straightaway to the bottom of the corner, it's a blink of an eye from the top to the bottom. What I can tell you is, and and it it is truly a a unique racetrack. You know, the concrete, I know some drivers either love concrete or they hate concrete. I've typically had a lot of success at concrete racetracks, so I'm not going to complain playing one bit. Um, but you know, it it's it's got a grip until it doesn't. And and when the grip runs out or, or you you go over that threshold, it really it sends you a message, right? I think that's why that's why it's a monster is because it sends you a message really quickly. And you know, I've had some success there and I've had some rough days there. I, I I remember I blew a right front tire out there getting into turn three. We cut a right front tire over some debris. Um I was running the bottom at the time and I hit the fence at you know Mach 12. Uh, I don't think, I didn't think you could hit the fence that hard and it made me realize really quickly how much I love safer barriers and all the safety equipment that we have nowadays, because it was an incredible, incredible hit. But that being said, you know, I think that as a whole, you know, racers are up against a lot of dynamics that, that, that racetrack has to offer. You know, when you go down the front straightaway, even though the racetrack is symmetrical, it's a completely different feel from one end to the other. Um, you go down the front straightaway, you drop down into the banking, You know, you carry a lot of speed through the middle of one and two, and you pick the gas up early. But if you pick the gas up too early, you know, coming off underneath the bridge off of turn two, it's really, really easy to hit that outside wall. I don't know why. Uh, Your car gets really, really tight there, and a lot of times you hit the outside wall. But when you get down to turn three and four, uh, there's usually a big bump into turn three, so you don't drive into turn three quite as hard. You still get in the corner super fast, but not quite as hard. But that requires you to pick the gas up a little earlier. Um, And then you run out of racetrack really quickly. And a lot of times you end up really, really loose off of turn four. So, you know, managing the balance between the two ends is is super important. And then I think, too, just, just not allowing yourself to get overly excited. You know, it's a fast racetrack. It's really easy to get your adrenaline level up. It's really easy to get your heart rate up. And the guys I feel like that are really good there are guys that control that and really put themselves in a good position uh, you know, not only early on, but late.
4: Thank you, Woody. Coming up, we've got this week in NASCAR history. It's the
2: Fast Lane Small Business Spotlight. Jeff Dickerson's ability to cultivate and develop talent has made him one of the most respected figures at racetracks across the country. In 2010, Dickerson co-founded Spire Motorsports and Entertainment since then Dickerson has gone from head of the driver and team management division to the face of Spires diversification
10: I mean the biggest difference for us obviously is we, you know we were you know we kind of were birthed as an agency and um, you know both on the driver representation side and on the sponsor side and the, and the team side you know and that was kind of the concept when we you know we were like man if we just you know maybe um, if we go less driver and more sponsor and work with the teams that way when they need drivers, they'll come to us right and that was a, a formula that worked for um for i mean it 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 set
2: us on our way here at spire it was it's a, it's crazy to look back and see how far we've come self-employed get in the ppp fast lane with womply womply has helped over 100,000 small businesses access their ppp loan you may qualify for up to $50,000. apply now at womply.com nascar now back
4: to mike bagley We're about to throw the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, it's that time of the week again. Susie Armstrong is here with This Week in NASCAR History.
7: Thanks, Mike. 1984, MTV gave Freddie Mercury and Queen the works, banning the British rock group's controversial cross-dressing music video, I Want to Break Free. Nelson Mandela traded in his prison garb, as the human rights activists walked free after 22 years of incarceration. Facebook's first check-in technically went down in White Plains, New York, as Karen and Edward Zuckerberg welcomed their newborn son, Mark. And Daryl Waltrip was checking out in Music City, holding the field at bay in the final laps of the Coors 420 at Nashville Super Speedway. It turns
0: four, Petty spins right in front of half the field as everybody tries to get back to the flag.
11: Cars are still streaming across to the line. Barney Hall, it was a fight right to the checkered flag for the front spot. And Neil Bonnet appeared to come out ahead of Darrell Waltrip as they came across the line. Kyle Petty is in the inside wall. That 7 Ford has rear damage. Here's Rusty Wallace, the front end of his car, demolished. Darrell Waltrip will be the winner. We'll sort it all out again when we come back in a moment.
7: 1994, Swedish poppers Ace of Bass rode the top of the charts for six consecutive weeks with album title track The Sign. Nelson Mandela was back in the news one decade after his release, sworn in as South Africa's first black president. Quentin Tarantino's neo-noir comedy Pulp Fiction premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, while in spite of lead actor Brandon Lee's filming Fatality, The Crow opened in theaters. And Ernie Irvin was the star of Sonoma, driving the number 28 Texaco Haviland Ford to a dominant win in the Save Mart 300 at Sears Point Raceway.
0: Ernie Irvin just biding his time. He'll trail in behind the Hut Strickland automobile. And for the second time in six years... The Sears Point Checkers will belong to a Californian. Ernie Urban of Modesto, California, pads his Winston Cup lead to 40 points as he wins the Save Mart 300 here at Sears Point International Raceway. 10 seconds behind will be Jeff Bodine as he flashes past the start-finish line. I
4: remember when, I remember, I remember
7: 2006, CeeLo Green and Danger Mouse, a.k.a. Gnarls Barkley, peaked at number two on Billboard's Hot 100 with their debut single, Crazy. Tom Hanks sought to unravel a 2,000-year-old mystery in the Ron Howard screen adaptation of Dan Brown's bestseller, The Da Vinci Code. And Greg Biffle coveted the secret to speed at Darlington Raceway, driving the number 16 Roush Racing Ford to a dominant victory in the Dodge Charger 500. Biffle feathering the throttle, coming off turn four
10: to the line, dealing with lap traffic, looks back to see where Gordon is. He's two car lengths behind him, but Biffle is out front. He will win the Dodge Charger 500 at
7: Darlington. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history.
4: Thank you, Susie. Also, our thanks to Jeff Burton and Justin Allgaier for joining us this week. And that's about all the time that we have for you. Can't wait to get to the Monster Mile double header action. Actually, triple header action coming your way from Dover this weekend with the Arkham and RZ series, the NASCAR Xfinity series and the nascar cup series for the rest of the mrn crew i'm mike bagley thank you so much for joining us we'll chat with you again next week right here on nascar live until then so long everybody
2: nascar live is a production of the motor racing network with studios in concord north carolina and was brought to you by blue emu maximum pain relief the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network blue emu is family owned and manufactured here in america it works fast and you won't stink Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henryon and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.
3: NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country, offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.